0: did grand things. He brought a nation together, politically. He uh, had, and God blessed him very much financially and materially. And we know the great temple was built in the Old Testament by Solomon. But really, the money that put that temple together was gathered by David. David was the one who had the heart and the desire from God who built a great temple where people would come and worship. Some people they call uh, the house of worship, the house of God, a temple. I know some churches in Abilene, they have the word temple in their name. But I want you to think with me this morning that before Solomon put the crowning effects together, David was the one who had the dream and the vision of building that temple. Now, as we look at this life of David today, man, he did some things that were absolutely unthinkable. He had unusual intellect. He was a very wise man. He spent time with God every day. He never did anything without asking God with leadership. He was constantly intervening, talking, seeking, as the king of Israel, he made great pains to lead Israel to become one of the greatest nations in the world. David was truly a man that was after God's own heart. But yet, he was a murderer. He murdered someone. And you say, Brother Gemini. This is hard for me. This man you're talking about who was so close to God, a man of prayer, a man of scripture, a man who wrote poetry, a man who wrote songs, a man who had a heart who played music to God, a man with unparalleled devotion to God, that man committed murder? What are you talking about? I, I want us to understand, and how in the world it could be that during the greatest time of his life, he committing a murder. It's like one of the, the pastors, or one of the deacons, or somebody in a place of leadership in the church. The police pick him up and take him to jail. Well, that didn't happen to you, David. He was the king of all Israel. And it took two years for him to become convicted of this. And Nathan, the prophet of God, went and spoke to him and told him of the great sin he had committed David Miller. And David spent time asking God's forgiveness. Now the painful truth is this. The holiest of people can take their eyes off God for just an instant, just a moment, a fleeting moment, and commit a terrible sin. And that's what happened to David. David, the guy who fought the the giant Samson, excuse me, not the Samson, the liar. You uh, are aware that he, was sung songs about. He became, didn't you know that it was a struggle for him? He ran from King Saul for over 15 years in the wilderness trying to get away from him, and being killed by the king of Israel. Sometimes the hand of God moves slower than we're used to. We won't things to happen now. He was the king, and yet it took 15 years for him to become the king of Israel. Now, as we look at the life of David, we remember some very special things about it. You remember the story of David and Jonathan. They were known as the great friends in the Bible. We would all like to have a friend like David or Jonathan what a strong relationship they had. You and I know also that Psalms are the biggest and is the biggest book in the Bible. See, it's filled with wisdom, insight, sensitivity that David got from God. He got that word by spending time with God. We were talking at Sunday school this morning about the fact that there are two things that you and I as Christians will face great obstacles if we make a commitment to pray and to read our Bible. But I will tell you, if you will pray five minutes a day and read the Bible five minutes a day, you will have the greatest wisdom this world offers. We need to read this book. We don't need to talk about it. We need to read it five minutes every day, and then we need to talk directly to God five minutes a day. So we ask ourselves, here is one of the greatest men in all the world in the history of time, and he murdered somebody. Isn't that kind of stunning? Doesn't that kind of knock you off your feet? We see that happening here in America Great men of God, leading great churches, hundreds, thousands of people come to that house of the Lord. and hear them speak the word of God, and yet you and I don't realize that sometimes there's one side of a person, and at another time the week there's another side of the week. Well, really, we do understand that, don't we? We, we, we know we're different on Sunday morning than we are on Underwood. Have you noticed how hard it is after you've had a couple of days off to get back and get in the groove, going to work, getting up and going, knowing sometimes if we were paid for what we did, we wouldn't even go. So I want us to look at this verse in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. You still got it? Keep it open. Let's look there, a minute Let's hear these words again. For my people, Jeremiah 2 verse 13 says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns." Anybody here know what a cistern is? I believe you done Anybody else? Yes. If you work worked on a farm, or been around a farm, you know what a cistern is. The Bible tells us, the people of them. well, not the Bible, but just the experience of living in West Texas, you're going to know what a cistern is. It is a well that contains and gets the water that drips off the road. You collect the rainwater. Of course, we also know that right now, West Texas is probably the driest part even of all this nation. You do know, I, I'm amazed sometimes, you do know that we only got one third of our drinking water available to us right now. Are you aware of that? If we have another year, like we've had the last two years, we're going to be in serious trouble. We are in a serious situation right now. Folks, when we get to a point where we can't, we don't have any water to drink. You know, I am sitting here, I've got a real dry mouth right now, but I take this water and drink it. But there's coming a day if God doesn't send us some rain. We are in serious situations. Some of you know that because you deal with the land. I've seen the farmers, you know, these guys are the most optimist people we have in this area. They're out in their fields ready for crops this year. Do you understand that we've got these serious problems? I want to tell you also, I think sometimes we as ministers have got a serious problem. We need to be the people of this area together. The truth driest counties in Texas, our Paschal and Jones County. We're not talking about places down by the Mexican border. We're talking about up here in Northwest Texas, we are high and dry. We need water. We need rain. Folks, we need to be coming together as the people of God and praying about that. So we know what a cistern is. It is a collection of water. And a cistern can have something broken and the water just pours out. And God says, I talk to you. I try to speak to you. He's talking to the people of Israel here in Jeremiah. I try to get your attention and it seems to slip by you. What I want to tell you folks, that happens to all of us. All of us. How do we turn our eyes on, on God? He is the supplier of everything we have. How can we do that? When we get our eyes off, off God, one of the reasons why we have revival is we give a portion of time, we separate this part, and I'm praying and asking God to help you to put aside everything that's going on in your life. And I realize there's a lot of things going on at school. We can bring a, a revival anytime any kind and actually take and we would have something else going on at that time. So we have to set aside time. I set aside this time as our pastor because of the two men that we just did. You're going to find out, real life, the man are coming to do revival is an international evangelist. He has been in 17 countries around the world, he has an awkward. In Kenya, he has people who walk the streets of New York City that are supported by his ministry to lead people to Christ to talk to them about Jesus. I read his biography. This man is very serious about evangelism. And we as a church want to be and need to be serious about evangelism. So here is David. You know the story. My goodness, what in the world took place? David was a soldier. David led many campaigns against enemies who struck against Israel. We are not the first that, Sometimes there's Americans. All we hear about know about is our enemies and things are going on in our world. There's a lot going on there right now. That's one of the reasons why we give great attention and we take great respect and we pray for our soldiers. David was a great soldier and he got to be king and he felt like it was more business to be the king so he stayed home. He didn't go out to be on to fight for that, they thought. And one evening, he was careless. He was just sitting around. He was up on a pedestal. He was up on a rooftop. He had the highest house in all of Jerusalem. And there he saw a lady taking a bath. And he was careless. And the Bible says that he wanted her as the king of Israel, he could have anything he wanted. He desired, he called for this lady to come and be with him. And you gotta realize, in those times, there were different times than ours, like several thousand years. So it was a different kind of society. Men and women, those days, they had husbands and wives. Sometimes the men may have two or three wives. They may have concubines. I mean, there was great temptation. And the Bible says that David turned his eyes off of God, off of spending that time with God, and he began to look at something of like this world. Now, the truth of the matter is, if every one of us is honest, we have those times every week,
1: sometimes
0: every day. There's so much going on. There's so much that is accessible. One of the biggest problems in this country that no one's talking about is pornography. Do you know that pornography is a 50 billion, did you hear that? 50 billion dollar money register in this country alone. I made a statement one time in a church I was pastoring that I knew that there were men in that congregation that morning who had a problem with the cause of it. Had a lady bless me out after church and said, You don't know what to talk about. The people come to this church, the men of this church, they are very godly men. I sweetly listened to her, I let her have her say. And then I woke up and I prayed for her. Folks, if you don't think that we don't have men in this congregation who are dealing with pornography, you need to wake up. It is a serious problem. It's very accessible in this nation. We've got problems. We're even having problems now with women who are doing the same thing with looking at men. Let me remind you that all of us do have some boundary. And we need some here work very hard, put in lots of hours. Let me remind you that you are the most vulnerable to some of the sins in our nation right like now. We must see David just went up on the road, just looking around. And I remind myself all the time, when you stop participating and doing the things that will keep you strong as a Christian, you're susceptible to falling. And when you fall from the grace of God, you're going to have regrets in your life for the rest of your life. Because Satan will always pull back at you, and he will always show you, and he will always make you aware that you have fallen. You've sinned greatly. You've done something that is shameful. How do we turn our eyes off God? My goodness, we live in the day and time when there are so many innocent things that can take our teaching away from God. There are things when you read your Bible. I've told you before that one of the greatest impacts in my life were my grandparents, who I saw every morning when I was in their home growing up. They read the Bible and they took time to pray. That made a great impression on me. I'm afraid of asking, you say, Well, Brother Kim, I'm trying. It's hard. I want to tell you, the best things of God are hard. You know why? You will face satanic oppression when you seek to do the will of God. He will do everything he can to stop you from reading the Bible and praying. You say those are simple things. Five minutes a day ten minutes that they, one-sixth of an hour. There are 24 hours. Surely, I can find 10 minutes in a day to spend with God. If you make it easy, you're not doing this. It. It's hard. But you know what? We have an enemy who forces us, who warns upon us, and is all the time scared. Trying to stop us. Have you ever noticed that? I made an observation in the church of Patrick one time, and I had a church full of users. Do you know what users are? People in God's house, they used to be there every time we go to the world. You couldn't have a church without them. We've got some of those in this church. You know, when Dr. Frank got killed last week, there was something that was not right for Professor Pastor. And that is that he was not here. We know when he was not here. This man 87 years old. He just known to come to the house of God every Sunday. And yet, you could say that uh, sometimes he knocks off, but he's here. He's here. He is here with anyone in this church. It's a struggle. It's hard. Man, Sunday's just like a regular day. You know, I want to stay in rest. Do you ever have a desire? Some I got up 15 minutes late today and it's messed up my whole day. Everything's out of rhythm, out of Our system and Satan even uses the desire for slavery to keep us from opening the word of God to keep you from coming to the house of God. You stop, you know. There's some people in in Baptist churches that I know I I say if we had a stuff fight up here, they'd be here. And Dr. Frank's one of those people who would be here. If we had a skunk fire, whoo! I've been to the church where it smelled like a skunk fire. We had stumps underneath the church. And thank God we had some men to fall out. But there are people who are very faithful. But you know what? They're being tested, tested every week. Oh, I'll, 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 just, I'll, I'll make Sunday night. Do you know how many of you are here on Sunday night? There's over 100 people here this morning. There will be 10% of you tonight. 90% of you will not be in God's house. Now, I want you to know that we as a staff and and the people who give leadership to our church, we're trying to look at some things to be more understanding and appreciative to the fact that today, people need time with their family. And folks, I don't know about you, but you can't find anywhere here in the Word of God where they met twice a week or twice a day on a Sunday. And you're ready? That day at the time, it took them, they were sometimes five or ten miles from church. They would walk there and have services. If they went home and came back that night, they'd have been wore out. Folks, we're going to have to do some new things. Our time schedule is not what it needs to be for the time in which we're living.
1: We may be, I want you to be
0: thinking and praying about this because I spent time with our staff and a staff team this week. We're talking about looking, making some changes where we can have times where people can be at God's house. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Other nights, during the week, it's hard. It's hard. I'm not going to stand here and say to you that i uh, we have a roll call and uh, we tell God every week, those of you that are not here on Sunday night or Wednesday night. Folks, we're not to be judgmental. We're to be understanding. We're to pray for you. But we do know this that when we start doing what David did, when we start getting easy with our Christian life, if we're not going to do it on these times that we gather as a body of Christ, then I doubt if we're doing it on our own time. When we stop reading the Bible, when we stop praying, when we take our eyes off God, it tells us it's time for us to gather together as the people of God and make some resolutions. If you ask David the day before he committed a bell with Bathsheba, if he was going to do that, he'd say, oh no, I'd never do anything like that. You see, Sunday the to come here to, get here to the house of God and to say, oh, oh that's the same old preacher sucker. that's, that's, you know, there's Jason up there trying to get us to praise God and sing out and uh, he doesn't know what kind of week I've had. He doesn't know what's going on in my life. If you were thinking about how you know, You'd be more understanding. I'm dealing with it myself. I have temptations. I am in all points a man like you are. We're living in very evil times. We need God. We need his wisdom through his word. We need to talk to him. We need to tell him about the problems of our life. We need to share with them our hurts and discourage them. Sometimes we don't like the answer. But folks, we, that's why we're having a revival to get us back to the basics of our Christian life. Let me close by telling you this story. Did you know that it judges chapter 16, verse 30, it says that Samson had walked away from God, the strongest man in the world at that time, and he asked God for one last moment to push down the of Many men in the Bible had problems sexually. Samson had those same problems. He had walked away from God. The best man who ever lived on the earth, according to Jesus Christ, was John the Apostle. And the Bible says, that there was a time in his life, here's what he said. I don't even know if Jesus is the Messiah. Hello! The greatest man that Jesus said ever walked on this earth had doubts and walked away from Jesus. Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 7 the things he wanted to do, he didn't do, and the things he didn't want to do, that's what he did. He said, I have conflict in my life 24-7. It's hard to do what God wants me to do. Peter, the disciple that was closest to Jesus of the 12 disciples, at one time said, I don't even know this man." Folks, all of us have moments in our lives when we get in our eyes of Jesus, and we're in trouble. And I want to say something here It's not going to have any problems. But I want to tell you folks, the biggest trouble we have in any church, anywhere in this world, in the United States, in the past of Texas, is not the people who drink alcohol. The biggest problem that every church has is with the tongues of the members in the church who talk about one another. The one thing we need to stop above everything, if we're going to have a revival, is judging one another and pointing out the faults of one another. We need to come to the point that we love each other and we make a commitment to God that we're not going to talk about each other, that we're going to love each other. And question that the understanding of God will come down from our minds and go out through our lips and that we can speak nothing. I was with a man who was a member of a church that I pastored recently. We were talking exactly how things were going where we are. We were talking about and I said, and how are saints there? Knowing that they had great problems. You know what he did? He changed his subject. He said, Brother Jim, you know, and you're the one who's taught me that if I said one word about my church in the wrong way, That word gives back to those people. And I lose their love and their trust and our oneness in Christ. Folks, if there's one thing we need to do is to close our mouths and to stop saying anything about anybody who is a member of this church. We are to love one another. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. One man asked about a lady who came to the altar. He asked a priest He said, well, what in the world did you do? He said, well, she prayed and asked God to take him from the covenant. He said, well, what, what she did she do pastor?" He said, well, she tried to lay it on the altar, but it wasn't long. Enough. <laughs> Folks, if there's one thing that's going to bring you a Bible in this church, it's for us to stop talking about each other. Let us let the love of God flow through us. Let's love each other. We're family. You're my brother and sister in Christ. Would you bow your hand